I got one job, two jobs, three when I need them. I got five roommates in this one studio, but I never really see them. And we all came America trying to get a lap dance from Lady Freedom. But now Lady Liberty is acting like Hillary Banks with a prenup. Man, I was Hello everyone, welcome to episode 88 of the weekly Yes And podcast. My name is Travis Thomas, the creator of Live Yes And and the host of the weekly Yap. Happy November, everyone. I hope everyone is doing well. Hope you did something fun and festive for Halloween. And uh, we're kind of rolling in really quickly to the end of the year. We've got Thanksgiving here in the United States, rolling right into Christmas and Hanukkah and all of our December holidays. And it is going to go quick. And uh, so really excited to be back in the flow of the weekly yap. Hopefully the last few weeks you've enjoyed the podcasts with uh, Aaron Deal, with Jazz Martis. Those were uh, two really fun podcasts to do. And uh, today is no different as we talk to Ricky Seaman with Outlandish TV. And we'll get to that here in a second. But just to let you know that we've got two uh, big things coming up. The first one, of course, being a little cross-promotion for Rack Friday 2017. You can check out more at rackfriday.com or our Facebook page, Rack Friday 17. Obviously, this is a project I started a few years ago with some family and friends, and our goal each year is to transform Black Friday into Rack Friday by committing as many random acts of kindness as possible and then sharing them online social media with the hashtag this year, Rack Friday 17. Or you can go directly to our Facebook page and share them there. And our goal is to uh, to have 2017 random acts of kindness committed, uh, therefore, again, transforming that holiday. So Rack Friday coming up this year, uh, November, I believe, 24th. It is this year, Friday, November 24th. Really excited about that. And excited to be offering another Get Unstuck in 10 Days starting December 1st. So I thought kind of the perfect time right after Thanksgiving. Uh, December can be a little nutty as we uh, navigate the holidays and think about all that. So what a great time to, to uh, put some time aside every day to get intentional about taking care of ourselves. And so we are going to do that uh, every day. 10 days, December 1st through December 10th. You can go to my website, liveyesand.com, click on events. You'll see the Get Unstuck in 10 Days link. It's $25. Grab a friend or two, uh, jump on in. It is going to be a good time. So we're getting unstuck as we roll into the holidays. So today's podcast is with an awesome dude, a friend of mine. His name is Ricky Seaman. Now, back in 2007 or 2008, I can't remember what year I was the coach, I was the assistant coach at my alma mater, uh, Principia College, uh, assistant soccer coach, and Ricky was a senior and uh, uh, just an extremely talented player, uh, great guy, although he, uh, the joke is is that uh, I thought Ricky was kind of a punk at first class. I'm like, man, this guy is cocky, he's arrogant, but man, he can ball. <laughs> and then the more I got to know Ricky, he reminded me why you don't judge a book by his cover because... He's just a great, great guy. And I was so impressed with him uh, back in the day when he was a student with how uh, internationally conscious he was, how culturally conscious he was. He could speak numerous languages. And he has followed that up career-wise, taking on this project. Uh, His project is called Outlandish TV. Uh, I'm going to include links in this blog, but if you go to at Outlandish TV on Facebook, uh, as well as YouTube, Outlandish TV on YouTube. He travels the world with kind of his crew. Uh, he, he travels the world, and it's all about sort of bringing a sense of uh, awareness to uh, to just, just different cultures and um, debunking a lot of myths out there about travel, you know. Uh, so his story on, on Facebook says, ignore all travel warnings, uh, a new bazaar. We are a guerrilla-style film crew traveling the world to get the stories of the people, bridging gaps, connecting humanity. And I can't think of anything that is more needed right now than bridging gaps and connecting with humanity and telling people stories. That's what Jazz Martis is all about. That's what the Euphrates Institute is all about. And I'm excited to sit down with Ricky for this podcast and talk about Outlandish TV and what he has learned 
by traveling the world. So without further ado, please welcome to the Weekly Yap, Ricky Seaman. So please welcome from Outlandish TV, Ricky Seaman, and his uh, producer and cinematographer, uh, Mark Dearborn. Guys, how are we doing tonight? Yeah, doing great. Thanks for having us, Travis. Oh, uh, excited. Uh, re- re- really excited to uh, to talk to both of you. Um, I know offline we were just talking about uh, uh, how I've been catching up on uh, season one. And obviously, uh, uh, the first episode of season two is out. And uh, just really thoroughly enjoying the content, enjoying the quality uh, of the production. Uh, so let's just jump right in. Um, so, so Ricky, give me, what is the genesis for Outlandish TV? What is the inspiration uh, behind starting this? Yeah, so uh, about um, a year or so ago, I had been uh, really inspired by uh, people like Casey Neistat, who was a vlogger on YouTube, um, people like Anthony Bourdain, um, and that was all kind of uh, fueled by my love of travel um, and filmmaking. So I decided that I was going to start documenting my travels um and i'll be approaching country number 50 in uh, about two weeks uh so that's you know that love of travel i've, I've been traveling my whole, whole life and decided to, to try and capture that um and so i spent that whole first season in places like uh, serbia iraq lebanon uh, ethiopia uh, pretty much documentary uh documenting my my trips and uh, meeting up with the people and, and experiencing their cultures and trying to capture some of that for for my my audience, uh, and so it's uh, it's really grown from my love of uh, of other languages, other cultures, uh, love of travel, and now we uh, we have a full fledged film crew doing the same thing. So super excited! Excellent, and uh, and so so Ricky, where does that come from? Where does that come from from your your upbringing? Now uh, you're you're uh, you're a Florida boy originally, correct? That is correct. Yes. So, so where did this, uh, where did this love of culture, where did this love of travel come from? Um, so, my the first one of the first countries that I ever went to was Botswana um, when I was like eleven years old, uh, and that's because my great uncle was uh, huge in the travel business. Um, he owned several different travel agencies and took my whole family uh, to Sub-Saharan Africa, Zambia, Botswana, Zimbabwe, um, and that was. Uh, kind of opened the floodgates for, for me uh, as far as uh, being exposed to other cultures and my, my love of travel. Um, growing up in such a diverse city like Orlando, um, all of my friends growing up, you know, from the Middle East and from Latin America and from certain parts of, uh, of East Asia. Um, so I was, I've been exposed to many different cultures and, and languages from a very young age, uh, which has caused me to develop a love and passion uh, for just that uh, language learning and traveling the world and, and meeting these new cultures. So. And and you just mentioned that you've now you you have visited and traveled to fifty different countries to date. Is that correct? Uh, correct, actually. Jamaica. Mark and I will be in Jamaica filming uh, episode two in about two weeks. So that will be country number fifty for me. So. Okay. Wow. Then that's, that's that's fantastic. And a lot of these countries you're going to, uh, uh, a lot of people would look and go, "Wow, isn't that is that dangerous?" Um, how do you how do you feel navigating those? And I think that's 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 kind of at the heart of, of of why you do what you do. Can you speak to that a little bit as far as the the different countries you've you've chosen to go to and why? Yeah, um, definitely. You know, there, there's so much that we see in the news these days uh, about a place being too dangerous or off limits, or we shouldn't go there, or we can't go there. Um, and a you know, perfect example is. The, the vlog that I did in Iraqi Kurdistan, um, going to Erbil and meeting up with seriously some of the coolest guys I've ever met in my life, the, uh, the Mr. Erbil guys. If you guys don't know them, you should Google Mr. Erbil. Um, the guys are awesome, doing really great things uh, in that uh, part of the world. So, um, But, yeah, that's just – that right there is the perfect example of you're something like 60 kilometers away from the Islamic State in Mosul, Iraq, and I'm sitting there in – you know, we, in, in my suit with a whole bunch of other dapper gentlemen, and we're, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, women's equality in Kurdistan, and we're talking about environmental awareness and change, and, um, you know, the idea that you can go to a place that has this label, that the media paints this label as dangerous or forbidden or off limits, and find really the greatest people doing some of the most inspiring things, uh, and that is literally all throughout uh, the world in, in every country, and so that's kind of at the heart of what we're we're all about here uh, with Outlandish. 
Well, and, and, and I, for someone listening to hear that, uh, that, that you've gone to these different places, so, so how does that even begin for you, Ricky? Do you, do you go, you decide that you want to go to an area. Uh, are, you literally, are you buying a one-way ticket? Are you going over there and just getting off the plane and exploring? Are you making contacts ahead of time? How does that work? Yeah, generally it's been, uh, as far as choosing the country, countries that I'm, you know, I, I don't know the most about, that I'm, that I'm fascinated by because we don't see too much about them in, uh, in the news and uh, trying to learn more about their culture. As far as uh, going there, I've been winging it my, my whole life. Um, I bought a one-way ticket to, to Argentina one time, uh, went over to, to Lebanon, not really knowing you know, where I was going to be going, who I was going to be meeting with. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to, to wing it in so many places. Uh, and so that's kind of been the MO so far. Uh, obviously, it's changing a little bit when you bring on more people on a film crew, and there's got to be a little more structure, but it's, uh, yeah, it's fun. Well, actually, and I have, I definitely have a few follow-up questions as far as the, the spirit of where that comes to, but I want uh, to give Mark an opportunity to get involved as well. So I just finished watching uh, episode one uh, for season two, and you two go to Haiti, uh, so tell everyone where you go in Haiti, how you decided to go where you went, and uh, just what that experience was like for you two. So uh, kind of our, our process of going to Haiti was actually a lot of hit and miss with a lot of the stories that we kind of wanted to cover. Um, so it was actually coming down to the wire that we were, you know, talking to people that we had interest in, different NGOs and some different stories having to do with uh, post earthquake and a lot of it, a lot of it unfortunately started to fall through the closer we were leaving. And so we were, we were getting nervous, but <clears throat> right last second, um, we got a message on Instagram, uh, about, uh, an NGO that had heard about us and had interest in talking with us further about possibly doing a story with them. Um, so our main goal before all that was to get into this neighborhood, uh, Cite Soleil, which is the highlight of the episode. And uh, miraculously, this NGO was one that was teaching kids soccer right in the middle and the heart of Cite Soleil. And um, we knew that that's, that's the one thing that we wanted to do. Um, you know, we wanted to experience what it's like for two guys like ourselves to go in and film in a place where everyone told us not to go. And uh, so we based our entire time around working our way into there and meeting the right people to do so, doing it, you know, doing it with our, with our heads about us, not trying to do it, um, trying to make it happen um, stupidly or anything like that. So um, we, be, we got successful and we're both excited when we, when we got the opportunity to, to go in. And, and for those of you uh, who are listening who haven't uh, seen the episode yet, which you're, you're, I'm, I'm going to have sort of linked, uh, I'll have it linked or embedded um, on the podcast page here, or obviously the links to Outlandish TV on YouTube. But I mean, you guys detail how you, you're, you know, how you actually get in sort of to the heart of the city and how it was a, a series of, you know, having to go past. Uh, you know, different sort of almost like kind of being handed off through different gang areas. Is that correct? What was that? What was that like for you guys? Yeah, Mark, I'll let you answer. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's funny is that um, anytime you ask these questions, you're going to get a different answer from both of us. Not not the actual process, but you know the the thought behind what yeah. it's like actually experiencing that in the moment. Um, but for me, um, you know, I actually. Ricky and I talked about early on as to what our roles are with this show, and I put full faith in Ricky that he'll keep me safe. And uh, even though there are times when we enter situations that seem pretty sketchy, I yeah. still have full faith that we're going to come out <laughs> successful on the other end, hopefully. <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> uh, but no, I think it was. Uh, I think it was. It definitely was something I've never experienced, where you go into somewhere that's, like I said before, regarded as such a dangerous place and kind of have to have all these uh, scenarios of how you get in there, you know, get the permission from gang members, um, make sure that they all know that we're coming in and what we're doing, um, you know, with the fact that they they lead that area, they control that area, and to know that we have to be, they have to be okay with us being in there. So you enter the situation 
not really knowing what, you know whether this should be a scary situation, a good situation. Um, but I think it's important just to just know and trust that you've done the right things, you've done your preparation, and just go for it. Um, and I think that's a lot of the mentality behind this show is really just uh, really going going for it wherever that may be and, and uh, making it happen and, and you know beyond beyond it being for entertainment just for the sheer fact that I think everybody should experience something like that in their lives where you know it makes you uncomfortable and we entered into the Soleil went straight to the NGO were bombarded bombarded by all these kids and I completely took away every ounce of any fear or uh, anything else we were having about the situation, and it was it was incredible. I don't know about Ricky, but it, it was one of the most euphoric experiences I've ever had in my life, um, from beginning to end. Let's say for for, for, you know, for me, uh, Travis, uh, I had, having studied international affairs and uh, watched the news and stuff, and uh, understanding that you know, there are armored UN personnel carriers around Port-au-Prince and uh, specifically that area. Um, yeah, it was. It was so amazing for me to have uh, done so much research on a place and preparation as far as security goes, um, and then all of a sudden you're in the middle of it, <clears throat> and your contact is literally calling gang leaders to get approval and permission <laughs> for us to go into their territories, and you know it's all, everything that we've you know been learned, reading about in the, in the news and stuff is it's, it's legit, it's real, and then all of a sudden you get there and there are 300 plus kids playing a game that you grew up playing that, that is just like this universal language of, of love uh, and literally getting dogpiled uh, and tackled to the ground with hugs from these kids would just wipes all of that stuff away. You know, it, it, it was truly an amazing experience uh, you know, with all those kids there at the NGO. So. Well, you know, I, I think you guys do a, a masterful job capturing that spirit as well because, you know, I, I've watched it a few times now and there is... There is obviously I know watching the video you guys get out okay, but uh, with the process of you guys getting in, getting into the actual area, I'm I'm, I'm watching this going wow. I'm like, <laughs> this is a scary situation, and then you guys get in and you're and you're working with the kids and you see the kids and it is it's you use the word sort of euphoric, but these are these look like you know the happiest nicest most you know joyful kids you know that uh that i've ever seen and and how they embrace you and how you all embrace them and just and then i think you guys just do a, a beautiful job of, of capturing the overall uh the scene through the different aerial shots and uh the th- like that and i just watching it going wow like you said it, it completely diffused this sense of, of danger that was obviously there. Yeah, I think Mark did a really uh, very clever job. I don't know if you noticed, there's a, a part where uh, the music kind of builds up in the intensity of when we're going in um, and we're all of a sudden on the ground and some someone's yelling, hey, you, hey, you. And then uh, immediately a kid runs up and grabs on my leg and tackles my leg. Yeah. And that's when the music cut, cuts. And that, that's when you can tell that there's a transition that's happening. Uh, and then cue the music, and you realize that it's all just love and goodness uh, here in this part of the city that is portrayed so negatively in the media. Right, right. And so for you guys to go through that experience, I know, uh, Mark, you, you talked about how powerful it was for you. Um, uh, for let's, let's start with Ricky first, and, and then we'll go to Mark. What was, what was the most surprising aspect of that experience for you? Um, probably how comfortable I felt. Uh, in Port-au-Prince and Haiti by the end of our trip. Uh, I I, uh, have traveled to so many countries and felt comfortable and felt uncomfortable at times in so many countries. Uh, But really in Port-au-Prince and Haiti, I I wasn't ready to leave. I I wanted to to, to really hang out there for a couple weeks, a couple months, get to know these people. And and, and that was what I was most surprised about, how much I would fall in love with with Haiti and the Haitian people and not want to leave. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's excellent. What about you, Mark? Uh, what's funny is actually I feel the same way. I think I think the first day there was, um, I, I like to be honest, the first the first day there was pretty stressful, and I'll let everybody know that we were only there for forty eight hours, so 
Um, the first day was, it was just crazy, kind of getting into the country, um, getting into the vibe of how how very different it is from any place you've been on, on this planet, and not sure, not, not really sure how to feel about it. But then to go through that experience inside of PPLA, which was, you know, like we've said over and over again, that was supposedly supposed to be all this negative energy and um, this, this place of poverty and just terrible things going on there, whereas we just have this extremely positive situation that was um, so incredible that it, it, it did the same for me, where it left me feeling like I need more of this. Um, I, I personally would love to go back and... Um, either work directly, volunteer directly for that NGO or another one just to, just to kind of feel what that's like to be in a place where not everything is perfect. You do feel uncomfortable in certain situations, but I think that discomfort makes us sharper, makes us, uh, you know, really not take for granted the things in this world that we do take for granted. And I think that's a powerful thing to experience that. And 48 hours is not enough time to experience that fully. Um, and I think, I think that's the point of this show, too, is that we want people to not necessarily go visit the places we, we visit, but give them a sense of what if you did? You know, what, what different feelings would you feel from the feelings that you have in your everyday life? And we certainly experience that. So if we can share that with people and share that to the world, then you know, what's better in this life. Right. No, and I think what I love, you know, what I love about the work that uh, that you guys are doing is is that idea of um, obviously you're forcing yourself to, you're forcing yourself into uncomfortable situations where you're getting to ex- experience the world and culture and diversity um, from a, you know, uh, a sense of, you know, sort of being a minority, <laughs> uh, in, in situations where we're not, we're not typically minorities. And, and what does that feel like? And, um, and what's it feel like to connect, connect with others when you don't really have a choice? And, you know, you, I look at the, you know, you look at the political climate right now in the United States, you just look at where we are nationally and globally. And a lot of the debate is, it seems to be there's a resistance for people to really want to get outside of their own comfort zone and really have to understand where someone else is coming from. Um, as moving forward, um, uh, where do you sort of see the, the direction? I know you guys are going to Jamaica next. Um, what, what, what do you kind of see as the, the vision moving forward? Um, yeah, uh, I, I think we want to really continue to capture that sense of humanity. Um, The Haiti episode was a very intense episode, uh, and we wanted it to be that way. We wanted people to show uh, a more serious side of what we're doing and, and, uh, you know, a little more excitement of going to a place that's seemingly so dangerous and off limits. Um, But that was the the Haiti episode. What we really want to do is with with every single episode in country, we want to show it from our our perspective in a totally new light that... uh, you haven't seen before. Um, we, we've got a, a very cool story uh, that we'll be covering in Kingston that we're super excited about. Um, it's going to be a very different, uh, very different episode, very different experience um, in Kingston. Um, you know, much more uh, lively, fun, laid back, wild and crazy. Um, very different from the Haiti episode. And that's what we hope to do with all of our, our episodes in the future. Continue to capture that humanity um, and show every single place, country, people, culture, um, and a, a, a different and unique uh, light. So, yeah, go ahead, Mark. And to add on to that, I was just going to I was just going to say that um, just for your viewers who didn't have uh, who don't know where we're traveling and. Uh, and we would love for them to follow us. But um, we also, for the, the rest of the plan for the year, we're also going to travel to, uh, dates are not set on any of these yet, but we have tentative plans to travel to Mauritania and Senegal in Africa. And then we are uh, set to uh, head to Bangladesh uh, sometime in the spring. And then next summer uh, we'll be traveling to Russia, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, and uh, am I missing one here, Ricky? And Brazil. And Brazil, yes, we can't forget about Brazil. <laughs> you don't, you don't want to forget about Brazil. Uh, and and no, no. so no, so so moving forward, you guys have some uh, very exciting uh, destinations planned. And for those of you who are listening and um, want to get caught up with season one, uh, 
you know, Ricky, you you went to some uh, really uh, amazing places. You went to some remote places. Again, you're, you're going to areas where, you know, it might make some people a little fearful and skittish. Um, through all of your travel, whether it's the Middle East or, or, or whether it's other remote areas, you know, what is what is an experience that you've had that uh, um, was just really sort of transformational for you that that you you didn't expect uh, going into it? Question, man. Well, um, I'm sure there's more than one, but what you know, what comes to mind? Uh, give, me, give me that question one more time. I, I can brainstorm while you're asking it. Yeah, you know, of all the different areas that you've you've gone through, you know, uh, I was watching the episode today where you were detained <laughs> briefly. Um, was that was yeah. that in I was that in Iraq? Yeah, that was in uh, in Iraqi Kurdistan. Okay. Well, actually, you know, let's 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 go there for a second. So you got detained briefly, which is funny. You do a great job in showing the video where you're telling everyone what's gonna, what you're going to do, and then uh, the next thing you know that you're, you're you're telling us that you were detained briefly. So here you are. Um, you're in an area. You're a fish out of the water, and all of a sudden you're being detained by two uh, plainclothes gentlemen. Um, that's got to be an intimidate an intimidating situation. What was that like? And then, as a result of that, how have you sort of gotten over this this sense of fear as you go to these areas? Yeah, it was uh, certainly intense. Um, I was, uh, uh, you know, being honest, a little sketched out about going uh, to Rubio in the first place. And then, again, that all stems from the, the media that I had read about uh, Rubio and the proximity to. Uh, to Mosul, um, and uh, I get there, and that's my first uh, interaction out in the city uh, with with people. Um, so it was uh, it, it was scary. The, the moment that the plainclothes security guys uh, took my the, the card out of my camera, put it in his pocket, and said, "Let's go," um, that's when I knew that uh, it got real. It's uh, it was, <laughs> I was. I was literally being detained and going to be questioned by their internal security um, because they thought that I was filming uh, some of the consulates or embassies in that area, um, and you know I was with some nefarious group or something like that. Sure. Uh, and I'm 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 standing there and I'm trying to speak my 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 broken Arabic with uh, this guy who's speaking a dialect of Arabic that I'm struggling to understand, um, and so all I can think of is like just to shout out social media names uh, as loud as I can. So I'm like, I'm like, no, 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 YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Like, you know, I'm literally just like shouting these out. And so um, the, the moment, you know, he, he kind of stops and, and takes a step back and uh, he makes a phone call and I can't, he's speaking to Curtis, so I'm not understanding what he's saying. And he just very nonchalantly reaches in his pocket and hands him the card and tells me to go. And that was, that was the end of it. So, um, no, no idea who we called or, or what happened or, um, but it was, you know, I understand why it happened. Um, but it was certainly, uh, intense. You, you know, it really made you aware of the, you know, the seriousness of the situation and, you know, where you are in the world. Um, and some of the things that they're having to deal with there. So, um, but you know, it's, you know, that, that experience, I've had experiences like that many times before um, in many other countries around the world. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so comfortable being uncomfortable, um, you know, in situations like that. Uh, it's just, it's the nature of travel. You, you never know where things are going to go or how they're going to unfold. But, you know, if you have this idea that you you can and only will meet good people and, and you, you trust in that, that's, that's really what comes out of it always. So. Well, let's let's hold on. Let's let, let's pause there for a second. That's a huge point. So where does that yeah. where, where does that spirit come from? Where does that spirit come from that you believe that uh, you're only going to um, you know meet uh, meet good people? Because I think the the story that most of us would hear if we just watch you know mainstream media would be that that's that's not the case. That's not what we should be thinking. So for you, where does that come from? I, it comes from a lot of different places. It comes from uh, growing up with my religion. It comes from my family. It comes from uh, past experiences with travel. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I believe that people are inherently good um, anywhere, everywhere in the world. Uh, and so if that is the case, it can only be, you know, you can only find goodness. That, that's been my, been my experience with, with travel. Um, that's kind of, I was <laughs> indoctrinated, so to speak, with this idea that people really are inherently good. Um, from a young age, so that's, um, I guess, I guess that's where it comes from. 
Well, it's it's very funny that you, that you say that because the rest of the episode um, uh, after you're detained is is you joyfully kind of going through the uh, the market and you know you getting you know beef kebabs and uh, and everyone that you run into you know for the rest of the episode just seems you know really happy and excited to uh, to talk with you. Yeah, totally. I mean, it was you, you saw. I mean, if, if your you and your viewers have seen that part where I get detained, I was. I was a little, uh, a little flustered. I was a little upset afterwards. You know, I'm like, really, the first ten minutes that I'm here, I get detained. Like, what, what the heck, you know? Um, but it just it, immediately, I was meeting the nicest people left and right, and uh, you know, giving people giving me tea and offering me food, and you know, it, it immediately wipes away any of the, uh, you know, the negative experiences or feelings that you have. So. Well, give us, give us, Ricky, some misconceptions that uh, obviously there's a lot of misconceptions that people have when it comes to whether it's traveling in the Middle East or just the Middle East in general. Um, uh, based on your travels, uh, and this is for either of you, based on your travels internationally, you know, what, what are some of the experiences that you have had that would sort of reverse some of these misconceptions? Mark, do you want to start off? Well, you, you've been to a lot more crazy places than I have in general, so I think, uh, <laughs> um, well, I think, I think, I think first off, it's just, uh, I think a lot of this is, is that whole concept of, of being media-based fear, and that's something that, um, I think, you know, not only we are trying to swatch, but a lot of people are trying to swatch, but I think it's interesting when you read all the warnings, you, you see and hear all the people who say, don't do this, don't do that, and you do it anyway, and those have been the most amazing experiences out of any of them, um, just because you get integrated with the people who, who are much different than you thought, and I think it's just, I think really it's just the surprise that, yes, there could be bad people, but inherently, and through Ricky having gone to a lot more places than I have, in the majority of all those places, it's been more good than it has been negative. And I think that's the problem is that most people almost want to see the negatives. They want to see the worst thing that could possibly happen to you where really it's, it's, it's not, you know, that's just what sells these people, what gets, what gets their attention. And I think you go to these places and, they completely squash all those myths. Um, and granted, there is there is violence and and, and and different things going on in these places, but um, there's still as, as much as you find anywhere in the United States you could travel to. I was I was um, I was raised in St. Louis, Missouri, and um, it's funny that you know, obviously, having known those parts, uh, it just always felt like a safe place to live, a nice you know, nice communities and whatnot. And when you go on and you, you actually look up the, the top 10 most dangerous places or most dangerous neighborhoods in the world, uh, number one is Cibu Soleil. And what's funny actually is number seven is East St. Louis. And so we're, you know, there's lots of places here that are not that far off. It's just all the places like the Middle East and um, countries we've never heard of that just scare us because we've only been told otherwise. Right. Yeah, I think to, to answer your question for, like, about the Middle East, I think a big thing comes down to uh, how the media portrays certain people in certain cultures in certain regions. Um, you know, I know before, like, the first time I went to the Middle East, I was uh, I was concerned that I wouldn't be accepted as well. Um, you know, in, in Egypt, because I was American, the things that uh, were going on there with uh, you know American politics and stuff like that. Um, but throughout my travels in the Middle East, uh, I found that the best way to, to get over that, that sense of, of fear or that, uh, that wall that's built up, <clears throat> uh, is to uh, take a step outside of your comfort zone and to learn some of that language or to learn about Islam or to learn about the region, to learn about those people. You know, the time that an immediate smile uh, can be put on anyone's face when you greet them in their language and you say assalamu alaikum anywhere in you know in the middle east it's that that's been my experience when you take that that uh, the extra step go the extra mile to really learn about someone's culture and languages um and it, it breaks that down um you know there have been experiences with me that i've been in the middle east uh, playing soccer 
And I was playing soccer in you know, certain countries and certain areas where I probably wouldn't have been accepted uh, if, well, if at all, <clears throat> if at all, um, because, you know, I, I'm American because of American politics and all that stuff that surrounds that. Um, but, you know, for, for that, that time, for that moment, uh, I'm not American in American politics and this other person's not this country in their politics. We're just soccer players. We're just, you know, two people that love the same game and share that beautiful universal language. Um, and so, you know, finding those common grounds and bridging those gaps, uh, that's been some of the greatest experiences in my life with traveling. Uh, and and likewise, uh, you know, obviously we have a lot of we have a lot of misconceptions about um, other countries and cultures, you know, especially when it comes to the Middle East. And likewise, there's there's a lot of mis- misconceptions about Americans and, and and Western society. What are some of the misconceptions that that you've run into and you feel like you've had an opportunity to at least, you know, maybe not dispel, but at least represent? Um, that not all Westerners are X or not all Americans are X. What have you run into? Uh, the monolingual uh, is the biggest one. Um, you know, you, uh, I'm sitting down at a bar in Buenos Aires speaking uh, Buenos Aires Spanish, Castellano, with, with these people there, and, you know, they're so surprised that not only have I, I mean, they're speaking their language, but I'm speaking their exact uh, accent of, of Spanish or, um, you know, speaking uh, even a little bit of Arabic when I was first only learning some of the, the basic phrases and I was in Jordan uh, or Morocco, um, you know, and I'd, I'd say a few phrases and people would be like, wow, like, like we, every, every American we've ever encountered, Westerner we've ever encountered, didn't either take the time to go out of their way to learn our language or didn't, you know, certainly didn't speak our language to the extent that you're able to communicate with us. Um, that's been one of the biggest things is, um, you know, Westerners or Americans are monolingual or don't know anything about uh, about you know their religion or their their culture, and um, that's just I guess those are just a few examples uh, of some of the things that uh, how I was probably perceived at first and breaking down those barriers. Well, you're a great uh, you're a great ambassador for the U.S., uh, Ricky, because I think most of us <laughs> don't speak more than one language. <laughs> So, I try, I try. so uh, you're, uh, you're you're representing well, well, well done there. Um, and, and Ricky, how many languages do you speak? I mean, that's a that's a complicated question, Travis. Um, no, uh, I would say I would be <laughs> I, I could have a conversation. I would be able to converse um, in about five languages. Okay. Um, but yeah, maybe five or six, I guess. Okay. And and Mark, what about you? I'm trying to find an average here, Mark. What about you? Oh, oh gosh, you know, I fall into the category of 10, so I don't know what Ricky's doing, but uh, <laughs> no, I'm just, I, 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 unfortunately, I fall into the, the one language category, which is another reason that um, I'm happy to be a part of this, because uh, that, is, that is something that I've wanted to take time in my life, and always found other excuses why not to do it. And I think that's one thing that's, that um, being raised and growing up in the U.S. is, is we don't have to, and I think that's, I, I just, I've never really liked that I haven't gone and done that, because for us, English is the only convenient language that we, we speak here, and we don't need to speak the other languages, so why learn them, you know, but it wasn't until I started traveling in, you know, Eastern Europe and places like that, where um, a lot of these towns way out there in, in the country, they don't speak any English whatsoever, and you have to find you know, find your way, find trains, buses, all those kinds of things with the very little that you know in that language. And um, and then you also travel to places in those same countries where those people who live in the cities, um, specifically like cities like Budapest or Prague or places like that, where they, you know, English is their, is their second language. They learn it from childhood and they can converse with you, but, you know, there's not a chance that you could converse with them back in Hungarian or Czech. And uh, so that's something that um, I'm, I'm beginning to start to learn other languages and want to be able to have five, six languages under my belt like, like Ricky has. My, um, I think it really takes a, a true awakening to realize that it's such a handy thing to have uh, all over the place. And people really do appreciate it when you try 
you know, it's not embarrassing or anything like that. They love and they want to, they want you to learn their language. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of been my experience, but to answer your question, a very long roundabout way, I only speak one language. Yeah. Well, and again, what I love, you know, what I love about that response, um, and, uh, about everything that you guys are doing and, and, and Ricky, you talked about going in and just, um, the effort to speak someone else's language says a lot about, uh, your character and your intention for coming into an area. You know, it's just that, that quality of empathy that I think, uh, you guys really sort of capture, uh, in outlandish TV is this quality of work. You're not going into, uh, to try to uh, tell people that you know how to think or or what to think, you're going in there really empathically to have an authentic experience, and how how powerful that is when when people see that you're coming in and trying to make a connection, you know, from their perspective instead of coming in and pushing your perspective. And so, has that been your experience as you travel? Uh, totally, yeah. And really, one of the greatest joys in my life. Uh, with language has been, um, you know, not, not really trying to speak someone's language, but when you get to a point where you can express your ideas with someone else and they can express their ideas and it's not your first language uh, and you really connect on a, on a deeper level uh, than you would um, if it were just, you know, broken, uh, you know, broken bits of that language. Um, it's something that's been some of the greatest experiences in my life getting to know people in another language that I would never have been able to know on such a profound level if I didn't speak their language. You know, simply because we use different vocabulary, I'll never get to know that person. And that is, to me, that's the saddest thing because there are so many great people that don't speak your language and vice versa, you know? Um, and so that's one of the reasons why I'm such a big language nerd, but that's definitely been my uh, experience with travel, so... And then, like you and like you mentioned before, just the uh, the universal language that is soccer or or, or football, and uh, and, and how what a what a unifying and, and connecting uh, language that is in itself. Um, and you see it, you see it with you and those kids in Haiti, and you talked about it in your other travels as well. And how you know just that in itself is its own language. Yeah, totally. And there are so many other mediums there, too. Uh, music is a great one. Dancing uh, is one of my favorite things to do, and that's such a great one because there's so many... Dancing is such a huge part of so many cultures. Uh, to really dive into to that aspect of that culture, I mean, that opens up... It really is a universal language, so... Fantastic. Now, now, guys, moving forward, you know, with, with Outlandish TV... And uh, for and I know a lot of people are, are, are finding it, and I know a lot more people are going to find it. You know, is there a sense of um, this is sort of is there a, a sense of what you want people to sort of be moved or inspired as a result, um, uh, or is it just just wanting to expose people in general? We uh, our goal, you know, at Outlandish TV, we are entertainment first. We want to go to a place that hidden or hasn't been discovered or is a less visited place uh, or less known culture or less known people uh, and capture their story through our perspective. Um, we think with the, the tools and the backgrounds that we have, uh, we have an excellent opportunity to really highlight people uh, in places like this and, and cultures and places like this around the world. Um, and so, yeah, we, you know, we, we, we want to. In, we always want to inspire people. We want to inspire people that they're uh, that that good is a, a constant theme, no matter where you go in the world. Um, and yeah, it's it's the, the, really the foundation of this is to be uh, entertainment first um, and a documentary style uh, guerrilla filmmaking crew second. Uh, if that answers your question, Travis. Yeah, absolutely. And, and when you think of you know, sort of some of the uh, the inspiration out there. You know, you you uh, mentioned Anthony Bourdain at the beginning. Is there is there a specific style or a specific uh, uh, a type of um, or just you know, sort of uh, who you were inspired by in in doing this kind of show? Yeah, totally. Um, uh, Anthony Bourdain. I've been watching him for for years and years. Um, the, the style of Casey Neistat, who is a vlogger, um, kind of, again, going back to the idea of a guerrilla-style filming where it's quick shots, not necessarily planned, um, 
you, you kind of get the shot however you can get it. Um, but also, you know, that's, that's from the film side. Uh, as far as being uh, inspired in other ways, certainly from my, my great uncle who had traveled to almost every single country in the world um, and exposed us to cultures from all over the world at a very young age. So uh, those, yeah, those are some of my, I, obviously, you know, my, my family who is a big travel family and <clears throat> and certainly the biggest inspirations for me uh, in starting something like this. Yeah, I think, I think that we want to keep it on the, the ground level where it is from our perspective, it really tells our story and, uh, you know, really follows us through the action so that you can experience what it's like for two people like ourselves to be in this, but as well tell an overarching story that is good things happening in places you wouldn't necessarily think that they, uh, they were happening. Um, and also to go back to originally answer your question, uh, you, you said so many things. You said so many things tonight that have got my mind just working all over the place because this this whole concept has me thinking all the time, and I love kind of brainstorming over it. And you know, we've we've hit on so many things tonight that it's just you know it's getting those juices flowing again of, of remembering how much I love working on this. But um, going back and answering your question is um, mainly. I think in the end, we really want to um, inspire people in a way, not so much that, you know, of course we'd love it if they if they felt like, felt the need to go out and travel to these places, you know, the places we travel to, but also it gives them a chance to experience, experience cultures all over the world without ever having to leave the comfort zone if they don't want to. But obviously, we, we want to inspire people to do so. We would love them for them to go do it, but we are offering them an outlet to their everyday life to see something new, to see new cultures they never knew existed. Um, and I think that's so important in our daily busy lives of you know our normal our, our, our normal day to day. And I think it's also important to mention that um, uh, with this show, I don't think our, our main goal is to. Um, just get the American culture invested. Um, we want cultures all over the world to know about other cultures, too. Um, you know, there are parts of all, our culture in, in America that is that can be closed-minded or has never experienced anything outside of what they've ever been raised to believe or whatnot, and that's true with a lot of other cultures in the world. And um, everybody that I can think of, not, not, not 100% of the world, but most everybody has access to YouTube, has access to the internet, and you know that's something that we want to connect people with is each other. And I think that's I think that's so important in this day and age, especially with you know what's going on in our country. It's now more than ever that we need to really take that time to reconnect with our fellow fellow human beings, as different as we might be, um, to really find the similarities and differences and things we don't know. Uh, about everybody else. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think that is the reason, you know, I'm most drawn to um, the work that you guys are doing because I, I just see the climate that we're in right now and you guys are in the bridge building business and <clears throat> I think that's what we need right now. And whether it's uh, uh, country to country or even in our own backyards, I think, you know, even in our own backyards, um, the uh, you know uh, the divide is it seems to be growing larger, and if we can bring that sense of um, uh, embracing you know others, uh, whether it's in other countries or even in our own backyard, uh, you know that's the message that we need right now. You know the last podcast I just did was with a high school student who is who spent the summer going to different um, religions and 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 faiths to better understand where they're coming from. And, um, you know, similarly, the work that you guys are doing is, is about looking at the world through other people's eyes. And, uh, I just think it's, it's, and, and granted, yes, it, it is entertainment, but it is, this is the work and this is the lens that, that we need to be exposing ourselves to more. And so I, I take my hat off to you guys. Well, and Travis, you as well. I mean, we, we love everything that you're doing. You are in the exact same business of, of inspiring people from different uh, with different perspectives and getting different stories of uh, inspiring things that people are doing. So we, uh, we my friend, tip our hats off to you. Well, thanks, guys. I mean, you, you two are truly living the, uh, the spirit of what Yes And is all about, from getting outside your comfort zone 
and from going into spots where it's you know it's not mapped out for you and you're literally having to say yes and to every twist and turn that comes up along the way and so uh, exactly. your, your, your life and your work is a metaphor for exactly what, you know, uh, what I try to represent and aspire, aspire to. So you guys are, I'm living vicariously through, uh, through all of your work. Um, and so guys, before we, before we wrap up here, guys, uh, obviously if, if people are finding this podcast through, through one of my pages, all the links to you all will be in that. But if people are just catching this on iTunes or through Podbean, um, what are the best ways to find Outlandish TV? Yeah, you can follow us, uh, subscribe uh, to our channel on YouTube. Uh, it is youtube.com slash C slash Outlandish TV official. Uh, as well, you can follow us on Instagram. We are at Outlandish TV official. Um, we are also on Twitter uh, at we have so many variations yeah, so many domains. Uh, and then uh, we're on Facebook as well um, at Outlandish TV and, and of course what we learned tonight uh, is if you ever get detained internationally is just start yelling out social media platforms <laughs> and they'll let you go that's the number one rule <laughs> exactly uh, well guys uh uh, so excited to finally get you on uh, the weekly yap. And again, um, I will be uh, sharing and embedding everything. So obviously, everyone listening, go check out uh, season one, of course, but uh, uh, episode one of season two. Uh, it is beautiful. It's moving. And uh, uh, it's just fantastic work. And, and, and like, uh, and again, Ricky, um, you know, for someone who my first impression was uh, a jackass, I tell everyone, don't judge a book by its cover. So <laughs> I'll, I'll never live that down. <laughs> and I also have to take a shot of myself. Uh, Ricky and I, uh, you know, we were separated in college by about, I don't know, 15 years. Uh, but we wore the same number. And uh, Ricky scored more career goals in one game than I did in my entire four years uh, wearing that number. <laughs> so, so it was a great upgrade, Ricky. It was a great upgrade. Um, hey, guys, thanks so much. And uh, um, I just can't wait to see Jamaica and what you guys do from here. Thank you so much for having us. For having us. Yeah, thank you. Here's something funny, you could be an immigrant without risking your lives Or crossing these borders with thrifty supplies All you gotta do is see the world with new eyes Immigrants, we get the job done Look how far I come Look how far I come Look how far I come We get the job done Look how far I come Look how far I come Look how far I come we get the job.